Hope you're already having a great Mother's Day, great start to the, the weekend. We're uh, in Romans, as uh, I was pointing out this uh, last week, that we've been there for quite a while. But we're wrapping up that, the season that we're in Romans. We're in, if you want to start turning there now, chapter 15. And uh, we're in the last remaining section of that, verses 22 through 33 this morning. And we're talking about your calling, your calling in life. And as I was thinking about that, that topic... And uh, most of the, the book of Romans has been pretty much instructional. And, and now as we're getting closer to the end of the book, it's interesting because you, you might not know this, but Paul is writing to a church in a location he's never, ever been. Isn't that interesting? Most of the people or many of the people he might not have known in the audience there, although we'll see in the next section that he did know some. But he's there, he's writing this letter, and at the end we're starting to see a little less instruction and a little bit more of his heart. And I, I generally enjoy that because you're getting a, a glimpse into a, a hero of the faith and kind of you see what are priorities to him. I'll tell you what, when you read this last section, you start to realize this was a man on a mission. This is a man that had a divine calling from God and he was chasing after it with his life. And I don't know if you're about it if you're like me, but I am compelled by people like that. When you see somebody that's got a clear direction that they're heading and they are getting after it. And that's the, the wonderful thing about we're going to see in the text here is that the calling that he had on his life is the exact same calling that we have placed on our life to extend the love of Jesus Christ to the world around us, to introduce us to an eternity changing truth of the gospel message. I don't know when that sunk in first for you that that's what God's included us in. I was remember I was working at a camp up in northern Michigan. I was a camp counselor in college, enjoyed that thoroughly. And I remember at the end of the summer, I was kind of reflecting going back into my senior year back at school. I was like, man, this was so cool. And I was thinking about what, what was it about this summer that I love so much? The thing that I love so much, I was working a lot with junior hires and high schoolers, and so often in that summer, that was the turning point where people had made the choice to embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I was reflecting on that, and I'm like, man, that just redirected where they're going to spend the next 100,000 years, the next 500,000 years. Like, we're eternal beings, and we allow that to sink in. You start to think, man, that's a pretty awesome calling that God has placed on our life, a pretty awesome privilege to say you get to be a part of that redirecting people's eternity by the message of Jesus Christ. So he's got some great things, some great principles to look at as we're trying to figure out our calling and what specifically that looks like today and age. But let me pray before we dive into the text. God, thank you so much for this chance to be together in your house. May we never take that for granted, just the privilege of celebrating you here without having to hide that or be ashamed about that. We praise you. We thank you for the sweet time of worship, the opportunity to give a, just a portion of what you've given to us. You've been so faithful. Now we ask that you speak to us in this text because if we're all honest with ourselves, we want a life of purpose, a life of meaning, life of influence. So God, I pray you'd teach us that you'd stretch our understanding of what that looks like here this morning. We pray that in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So glance with me down in verse 22. That's where we're going to start. And we're just going through verse 33. And this is going to be a real traditional message. Three points. So point number one, this is what we're starting with. That we're called to align your plans 
with your calling. And I'll explain what that means as we read these verses. Verse 22 says this, This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. We'll stop there and really identify a few things in this section that I think are are pretty neat as we're seeing a bit of his heart. You see first that he has a genuine desire to see and to meet and to interact with these people. You don't sense anything that that something's forced or guilted into. It's something like you see, he says it right there. It says, this is the reason, uh, I'm sorry, I've longed for many years to come to you. So no, no hint of this is something that he's longed to, he's wanted to do. But he also points to the fact that there's something that's gotten in the way. It says, this is the reason why I've so often been hindered. What's he talking about there? What's the reason why he hasn't been able to visit? You see, by looking back into what we talked about last week, he described his calling in verse 20 that he was called to preach the gospel to those who have never, ever heard. That was his calling. So he said, listen, as much as I've wanted to come visit you, I haven't been able to because I have this clear calling on my life to proclaim Christ to people that haven't heard. It's like, man, that's, that's really, really fascinating. The, the truth is that often in the life of a believer, our faithfulness to our calling may supersede what we feel like doing. We're in a culture that's so accustomed, if I feel like doing it, that's what I do. We get a flip-flop. We're like, okay, well, if my plans, if I can work out my personal plans so that his calling still can happen, that's perfect. But instead he's saying, no, listen, first comes the calling, then comes the personal plans. We get that flipped, flip-flopped so often and confused. So I love that he has that clear. He's like, man, as, as often as I've wanted to come see you, I haven't been able to. So for us, as we're thinking about our plans, Make sure we align your plans with your calling. I'm trying to think of a, a practical way of seeing that. I was thinking that even in my last couple weeks. So my, uh, I, I go to 24 Fitness so that I can eat more food. Anybody else uh, work out for that one single reason? So 24 Fitness, we have a uh, first... Uh, when we started here, got a membership there through Costco. Good deals, great. And then, uh, then have extended it. And what I've tried to use that as is because I end up being, not stuck, but here in kind of church world, just surrounded by wonderful believers pretty often. So I've really tried to utilize that as a place to meet new people in the community and an opportunity to advance the kingdom, proclaim Christ. I've had some great conversations. I've done some wedding counseling in the middle between some weights. I've had opportunity to, to share Christ. I've had two people from the gym come to a service here. So, so it's been pretty encouraging. I was looking at my phone and what I try to do is every time I meet somebody, I, I, anybody else struggle with the name thing? I put the, the name down and then something next to them so I remember, like really buff guy or uh, like what, whatever. Uh, I'll show it to you later. Not really. But, um, but so, so I try to remember this and I was thinking about it. I heard from a friend, they said, listen, Agora Fitness is running a special that they'll match whatever you've been getting it. I'm like, well, I know I've been getting a real good deal at 24, so I was real tempted because Agora is a little closer to us. Then I started wrestling through. But man, it's taken three years 
to meet 14 people. That, when you break that down, I'm not a mathematician, but that's not very many per year. You see, you see the truth, we're call, our calling has to supersede our plans. And what if we started running them through that filter, ask that question, wait a second, how does this allow me to proclaim Christ better? How does this allow me to pr- proclaim Christ? Oh, would that job change? Is that going to better allow me? Is this, is this change of uh, the sporting leagues? Am I going to coach in this new league? Oh, man, but I've laid a foundation. My point being, making sure that our plans align with your calling. So that's our universal calling. It, it wasn't like he was doing something crazy or creative. He was just saying, hey, we're, we're all called to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. That was part of the Great Commission, so he's fulfilling that. So you've got universal calling. I want to just mention this other because I think it's important too for us in this conversation about calling. We also have personal callings on our life. Some of us can look back in our our days and we can sense a a time when we're walking with the Lord and God put a burden on our heart to do something. Can you think of that where you're just like, man, that was just something that God placed on my heart. I don't know where it came from, but it's there. I have that passion and and desire uh, to do that. And so that's a second piece of understanding calling is God's personal call. My question for you is, has he placed a call on your life that's specific? We had in our our kids' school, they're over at Willow Elementary, they had open house this last week, which I I genuinely enjoy. You get to go and see, it's kind of like a show and tell. Anybody have young kids that you went through this with or are going through this? Show and tell and see all their amazing work. And, uh, and, and so I went and we were going through the different classrooms, but one of them that caught my attention, I helped my son Chase finish this project, although Adrian started it, it's usually a team effort, but it was the title of it was Chase 2036. The idea was, what was Chase going to be doing when he's 30 years old? And so I'm real interested to read this. So I'm reading about it, and he's like, man, I'm going to be a pastor living in Agora Hills in a townhome. I was like, yes, like (laughs) following suit, so I might be threatened for my job. Uh, (laughs) But then I was reading a little about it, but he's married to a motor, his wife was going to be the motocross champion of the world. (laughs) He doesn't even like motorcycles. I don't know where that came from. But, but, but here's, here's the thing that, that caught my attention is it also asked you what's something that you're going to be doing, this was part of the assignment, to be making a difference in the world that we're in. And somewhere along the line, I'm not sure where he'd heard about it, he was introduced to, you almost wish he hadn't been, to the idea of child slavery in our present world. He puts on there that he's going to be working in his side and above and beyond his job that that's what he wants to be working on to make a difference to end child slavery on this planet. It's like, man, that's pretty cool to, to see that. God working in his heart. For some of us, we may ver- maybe had a calling at some point. Maybe it's as far back as age 11. Maybe it's as far back as five years ago. God put something on your heart. And my question for you is, one, do you remember it? Two, are you doing it? Are you doing it? Are you, are you living out that part of your call in your life? Well, here Paul was clearly living that out, was acting on this call. And so finally in verse 23, he says, But now I can finally come visit you. And what does he give as the reason for the but now? He says, Since I no longer have any room for work in these regions. 
Think about that. He's writing for Corinth, from, uh, from Corinth there. You're like, does that mean like every single person has come to Christ? No. But here's another thing that's important to understand about our calling. He understood what peace he played in that. He understood it wasn't because everybody was saved, but he had planted in that, that region churches and gotten them stronger and, and laid a foundation for influence in that entire region. He understood that he was a planter and other people are wired and designed to, to, to water, to help grow. And so for that, he understood his part in it. And that's important as well in understanding our calling. So now he says, I hope to come to Rome for mutual encouragement. Now I think about that for a second. I was like, you know what? If, if Paul was visiting me at my house, I'm trying to think, I'm like, I don't know what kind of mutual encouragement. I think I would just be solely the one encouraged. Uh, but he's saying, man, I'm showing up here because I want to encourage each other. And I was thinking about that, that he understands the natural flow that's expected in the life of a believer. A healthy believer is out pursuing their calling, making an impact, reaching people with the love and grace of Jesus Christ, but then they know to come back and be refreshed by other believers before moving on to their next thing. So what does he say? He's like, in route to Spain, which is where his next calling of ministry he felt tugged to go towards, is going. He's like, I'm going to stop and be refreshed by you. And that's an important thing for us as believers. You can't, you see when it gets out of whack, it goes a bad direction. When we're too long in the world, what happens? We start to lose vision of what our calling is. When we're around people that don't follow Jesus, you start to unfortunately potentially even adopt some of their behaviors. You start to lose the, what, what separates you. That, that's the, the risk of being too much in the world. But then on the flip side, if we're too much in the church, what happens? Our head starts to get puffed up. We know too much, but we're not extending it to the world, and we're really having no impact on the world around us. He understood the balance that we're called to. Go out, make a difference, fulfill your call, but then come back and be refreshed. Then he says, makes this statement, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain I was thinking about that. I was reading a few different commentaries why it is Spain, why it was headed to there. I thought it was interesting. One commentary presented that in that time period, according to their understanding of world geography, Spain represents the western limits of the world. So he's literally taking the gospel message to the edges of the world. He's, he was shooting big. Like he, he's, not, he's not going for, like, you know what, I'm going to try to talk to somebody in my cul-de-sac next year. He's like, no, no, I'm literally going to take the good news to the entire globe. That was his heart and that was his passion. He dreamed big. There's no, I find it fascinating that there's no evidence that he ever made it to Spain. Just because that's a, a goal doesn't mean you have to hit all of them but his planning definitely aligned with his calling. How is it for you? Does your planning align with your calling? Second point, verse 25. We'll read this first, and then I'll explain the, uh, it a bit. Verse 25, At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contributions for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed, they owe it to them. For if Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessing, they, also, uh, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered 
to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I imagine when his audience, many who didn't know him, know he, know he had never visited, they're getting, as he starts talking about his visit, they start getting pretty excited. They're like, oh man, this is going to be awesome, finally meeting this, 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 this great pillar of the faith. But then he gives that sim- those simple words, at present, going to Jerusalem. Now, without a geography lesson, it'd be easy to just kind of breeze past that. But let me explain something to you. He's writing from Corinth, which is already 600 miles away from Rome. So that's already going to be when you don't have planes, you don't have transportation, you got, you got no, uh, no car, you got no means to get there quickly. That's already like, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while. But what does he say? I'm going to head first to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was 800 miles the opposite direction. So do the math. That's 1,400 miles then away. And he's like, oh, well, I guess this visit's not going to be anytime soon. That's like me saying, I'm going to come over to Denver, but I'm going to walk, I'm going to come over for dinner, but I'm going to walk to Denver first. You know what I mean? Like that, that was huge. I was thinking about that. For a man that has a clear calling on his life, what in the world is going on? Little backdrop there. This is written about 58 AD, so about 58 years after Christ uh, le- left the earth. So about 58 years. So in that time, Jerusalem is in the middle of a huge that whole area. Uh, that whole area of Palestine is in a huge drought. the The Jewish believers are legit struggling. Like they're they're barely making ends meet. So he's saying, "Hey, I know that I feel called to go to Spain." But I'm willing to put that calling on hold to meet needs around me, meet needs that I'm aware of. Meeting needs is part of our calling. That's so important for us to understand. So easy to get if you're like me, a kind of a type A personality. You have this list of things you got to do this, do this, do this, and completely blaze past something, a specific need that was right there in front of you. Anybody else guilty of that? Do you get so busy and caught up in your, your schedule? Paul was willing to divert from the plan to meet immediate needs around him. I love that. Take detours in our agenda to, make, to meet needs, to be literally present in the moment. I was uh, at a conference week before last up in uh, close to Sacramento, and we were, we were there, I was there with uh, my best friend Joe, who is a pastor up in Fresno, and we were there, and one of the reasons we picked this particular conference, it was called Thrive, it was kind of a gathering of church leaders, was uh, that Bill Hybels was one of the speakers there. If you're familiar with Bill Hybels from back in Chicago, I worked for five years at Willow Creek under his leadership, and then both of us were shaped to a degree with a passion for the loss from him, and just really a, a formative person in, our, in our, our lives. So we're like, man, I really want to get up there and hear, hear Bill speak, I haven't heard him speak in a in a long time so we're there my friend joe though operates a little bit different than i do so we're already i've got this crazy foot thing going so we're already running a little bit late to this session that bill's speaking at so we're showing up really really late kind of what all of you do on sunday mornings and uh sorry for the jab uh and so uh we're 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 there and we're we're doing the clock check thing we're like well we missed this we missed this but we're probably going to make it in time for the session well joe can start in deep conversations with strangers in a matter of minutes. So we're going through this big lobby. He runs into some guy there. They start talking. 
And I'm like clock checking. This is bad, isn't it? But I'm clock checking. I'm like, Joe, come on. What are you doing? I'm small talking with somebody. And he's, he's there. He's in this deep conversation. Eventually, I'm looking at the clock and I'm nudging. I'm like, Joe, look, he's going to start in a minute. He's like, yeah, yeah. Now they're like 10 minutes later. I'm like, for sure we're missing it now. And so, and so but then after that, I finally like drug him out of there. <laughs> I know that's bad. Uh, but I, I pulled him in the session. And late, a little bit later, I was thinking to my, myself, I'm like, you know what, that's something I could learn and grow from. What if we weren't so concerned about the destination that we actually were present in the moment? What if that was more to mark our lives? You look at Jesus, we describe ourselves as Jesus followers. What was he? He was ever present in the moment. As he's interacting, he would kind of go where the day would take him. But we schedule our day where every single moment has something going on what if we left margin to be aware of the needs around us and to actually engage? That's part of our calling. Part of our calling is leaving margin to, to interact and be sidetracked. So Paul decides to do that in a major way, not just a little side, uh, not a little sidetrack, but going 800 miles the wrong direction. And what he did, you can see it there in the text, he, he did an offering or a collection of resources from the new Gentile believers and is going to take them back to the Jewish believers. And he sees this, man, this is an awesome opportunity for unity. We can read about that in 2 Corinthians that they gave generously despite the fact that they were struggling themselves. So he's going to show up, he's going to take this theirs, but he was willing to put his goals on hold because he was trying to meet specific needs. Look at it in verse 30, how it plays out. It says then, verse 30 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the, to the saints." So that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Get the sense by this little section that Paul had a, a little clue as to what was coming on his trip to Jerusalem. We see in Acts that what he knew is he knew that this trip was a dangerous one. This was going to be a serious thing. In fact, I want to read for you just a little backdrop. Acts 20, we'll put it on the screen there. A little backdrop of his, his uh, understanding of where he was headed. It says, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, in other words, led by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that I, imprisonment and affliction awaits me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if, I, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Do you see that? Even though he knew that he was heading right into harm's way, and you can read about this in Acts, like a account after account of believers saying, don't go there. Don't go there. It's going to end really poorly. He's saying, that's all right. Instead of heading the other direction and taking the easy route, going to be re-energized re in Rome, he said, no, I feel called to go there. That's where I'm heading. And instead of quitting, what does he do? He enlists the prayer support of others. 
He says, I know this is going to be hard, and so I shouldn't try to think of me doing this on my, on my own. He says this, he says, to strive together with me in your prayer to God on my behalf. That's such a cool picture. I was uh, texting our uh, men's group about this the last night, just that description of, of striving together. That, that's such a beautiful picture. And the way isn't like, oh, we're going to go do this together. He's saying, the way you can strive with someone just join them in prayer. If you're wondering why you're not having a dynamic ministry, maybe you're not asking enough people to support you in prayer. That's what Paul recognized. He said, man, before I go on this crazy adventure, I need some people that are backing me in this. How are we doing with that? I love that I see a little hints of that each week with the, the care journal where you're saying, man, lift this up in prayer, this health issue, this job issue, this relational issue. You're doing that, and I encourage you to keep that, not trying to be the lone ranger in this, but getting support from others. The other side of that, I had a, a kind of a, a thought as I was sitting and kind of working through this. It says, strive together is also a picture of us. If you're wondering how you can expand your ministry globally, how you can not just have an, an impact at 24 Fitness and in your job, but how you can have an impact on the world, man, start lifting up some brothers and sisters in Christ that are out there doing the, the, the kingdom work in other places. I was thinking about, okay, you, I, you know, I'd like to have a, an impact on non-believers uh, over in Indonesia. Well, perfect. We have Nate and Abby there. What if I got more serious about lifting up Nate and Abby, our missionaries there, in prayer and saying, come, I'm going to come alongside of you and pray for all the unchurched people in that region of the planet. What if you're like, man, I have a, a, a burden to, to reach out more people in Moldova. Well, perfect. Chip is there right now. I was just seeing pictures of, in an email of this outreach event he's doing there. Even this past week, you're like, man, you can have an impact in, in Moldova. Oh, man, I've always had a burden for Africa, though. Well, perfect. We have Godfrey there that's serving. And man, you can come alongside a, a hymn in prayer. If you wonder how you can expand your ministry and your impact, man, start lifting up brothers and sisters that are around the world influencing other people. And you see in the, the text there, he gives three prayer requests. Look back at, at the section. What do you guys, see if you can identify those. The, the three that he points to, I'll, I'll help out. It's in your notes there. The first one is the pray, prayer to be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. So that's prayer number one, protection. Number two, services for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. We already talked about that. This is all of a sudden a first time Jews and Gentiles, the idea of them partnering together in any effort. So he's just praying that that's going to go smoothly. Third one is the, the final one. By God's will, I may come to you with joy and that idea of finally making it to Rome. So these are three very pretty specific requests. So let, let, let's look at this and see how did God or did God answer those prayers? You're like, well, how do you know? The cool thing about this whole text is it's outlined in Acts. It gives the account, like story after story, of his adventure going to Jerusalem then trying to get to, to Rome. So prayer request number one, that is services. Actually, I'll start with two. Services for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So in chapter 21, it talks about his arrival in Jerusalem. And upon his arrival, verse 17 says this, When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. That's good news. Verse 19 20, After greeting them, 
He related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. Isn't that cool? So first prayer, check. Number one, done. Second one, although it's mixing up order here. Second one, safety is a little bit more hairy. So let me tell you about that one. That you can read about in uh, chapter 21. He actually goes into the temple in Jerusalem and he gets straight up beat up. Like he gets attacked by this mob. He get, get, gets pounded, gets beat up. And, and sometimes we read this when it's, when it's describing saying he was nearly beat to death. And so we can, we can move past texts like that and be like, oh yeah, that's tough, man. Man, anybody ever been punched before? Like, like one punch. Like I, I, remember, I remember in high school, I was 15 and I'd been walking this young lady home from school, found out that she had a 21-year-old boyfriend. He came to the basketball court and reminded me that that was his girlfriend with one shot to the jaw and literally felt this sucker. I mean, it laid me out. Like a, and I'm, not, I'm like, I'm not fighting this guy. He's like six years older than me. Uh, but I would have taken him anyway, I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, but so he let... Like, I literally felt that for, like, a month in my pain in my jaw. Like, I was like, man, what would that be like to literally have a mob of people kicking you, punching you, just taking their best shot with the intent of not just trying to hurt you, literally trying to kill you? That was Paul. It's like, man, I'm so driven with my mission. He said it before. He's like, I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about the message getting out. You know what happened? You know what rescued Paul in that? Was the Roman army had to come in because they saw this, this getting riled up. So all these soldiers show up, pull him out from the crowd. It says that they literally had to carry him out from the crowd to safety. I don't know, picturing it, if they're carrying him over his head or, or how they're doing. Their people are still taking shots at him or what. He gets out from being in the crowd and you know what he does? He says, can I address the crowd before I go? <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? You can read about this in Acts 21. He gets up. I don't know if it's on a stand or how he does it. He gets up probably all bruised up, blood coming out of his mouth, tells his testimony, tells what Jesus Christ has done in his life, how it's changed him. He's a, he's a different person, and he's been called to, to reach out with the love of grace of, of Jesus Christ now to the Gentiles, and they're like, uh-uh, we're not hearing that. And so that's when things went south again. But you, the point that I bring up again Prayer request number two, what was the request? That, that, that God, that he'd be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. I think he needed to be more specific in his prayer, like not get beat up and delivered from the, de I don't know. But either way, he's, de he's delivered from there. Prayer request number three, and we'll conclude with that one. Third request, by God's will, I may come to you with joy. By God's will, come to you with joy. After he gets taken by, I'll tell you, and you guys can read about this. It's fun in the book of Acts, just seeing his faithfulness and how God used him mightily in every arena that he was in. And it, after he's taken from there, they didn't just say like, oh man, sorry you went through that, go on your way. They literally put Paul in prison with zero charges under a cor corrupt leader for the next two years gives the account of him trying to make appeals and trying to stand before different courts and saying, I haven't done anything to put me here. Two years he's in prison coming out of that, but faithfully just waiting. Finally, after two years, he makes the appeal based on his, are you guys tracking with me? 
basis appeal based on his citizenship. He says, take me before Caesar. Let me appeal to Caesar. So they say, all right, we'll send you on a ship to Caesar to make your appeal. Guess where Caesar is at? Rome. So he's like, all right, I got the way to get there, even if it's in chains. So then you have this long story of his boat ride to Rome. Guess what happens on his boat ride to Rome? Shipwrecked in Malta. Gets to saw a picture and I'm kind of floating ashore. And he's like, what about my calling? I was just trying to do a good deed. He's floating up to shore. He gets the, onto the island. He's trying to get warmed up by the fire. Guess what happens while he's getting warmed up by the fire? Gets bit by a poisonous snake. Like, talk about, like, insult to injury. Like, life is tough. He used, he, he made this, this statement to pray for, by God's will, I may come to you. Oh, shoot. Sometimes God's will for us isn't the nice, smooth sailing route. Anybody amen to that? We can get Pentecostal for a moment. Like, anybody recognize that sometimes his route to get you where you're headed is a little zigzag. And what if the destination, what if it's more about the route of getting there than the destination? What if that's more about, we already talked about the fact that he never, he makes it to Rome, but he never, to our knowledge, makes it to Spain. What if it was about the route to getting there? That's when God does the work. What if the destination isn't our goals and get this done and do this? What if the destination is us? What if we're the destination? What if our transformation, us becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, what if that's the end goal? That's what I would propose because all of a sudden when you've been on that journey, then you're ready for whatever destination. I love when you read about it, you see that prayer request came to be fulfilled. He did make it to Rome. So check one, check two, check three, all of them came to fruition. But that, that prayer request by the will of God, you're like, oh shoot, that might not be my preference, but that's how he's getting me there. But the, that, that last piece is say that he would show up, and this is the character piece, that he'd show up with joy. We sang about it just a little bit ago. It's something that's supernatural. It's not based on our circumstances. So often he wrote about joy from a prison cell. That's when you know, man, that's when God's actually gotten him to the destination because he's, he's transformed his heart. He's like, man, I'm, I, I, I'm independent of these circumstances. I'm still filled with joy. That's my prayer for you guys in this journey of trying to figure out God's calling. Yes, man, get after it. If he has a specific call, get after it. If he, don't neglect his call with your plans. Make sure that they align. There's so many things that were our plans and his plans. He gives us tons of freedom with that where they can partner together. Don't neglect in our pursuit of fulfilling our plans or, or even our calling to neglect the specific needs around us. It's a great something we can learn from Paul. And then lastly, what we see there in the text, don't try to do this alone. Enlist the prayer support of others. It's a beautiful thing that God designed in the body of Christ. That's my hope and prayer for each of you is that you experience and you understand your calling. You live that out even this coming week. Let me pray for us as we conclude. God, we thank you for this text and even on Mother's Day with so many moms here that I've 
are living out their, their calling, even on a moment-by-moment basis, by investing in their children. We thank you for them. I pray they feel celebrated today. I thank you for this text that's a picture where Paul lives out the things he's been challenging the people to do in Romans. He's elevated his calling over his personal preferences and plans. He's made the choice to divert the, the, the big picture plan to make sure he's meeting immediate needs around him and ultimately he's not trying to do this alone. You could see how ego would get in the way, but he's allowing himself to humble himself and ask for help. I pray that we learn a lot from this, that we grow in our understanding of our call on our life. I thank you so much for including us in what you're wanting to do on this earth. The, the fact that of what we started talking about this morning, that we have the ability to partner with you and redirecting eternities. What an awesome privilege. You're such a good and faithful God. We love and praise you here this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, that's what it's all about. Picturing that end goal of standing before him, seen faultless because of Jesus Christ. Amen. I pray you have a wonderful Mother's Day. Ladies, enjoy some chocolate bars as you exit today. God bless you.